Hello to niggas and niggas only. This is your boy Keese, Marquise Davon, this American Negro, whatever you want to call me. Just do not ever in your life call me Mark. Other than that, welcome to This American Negro, a show that we talk about pop culture, politics, social issues, in a much more nuanced lens, but also a space where all black folks are welcome to engage in a conversation, challenge me, challenge you, see where all of this goes. But I'm so happy to be here and be your host. So once again, welcome to the show. Let's get into it. So today what we're going to be talking about is how black masculinity, patriarchy, and our existence around it as black men is currently being challenged in the pop culture space. We have people like Lil Nas X, we have Gerard Carmichael, we have P Valley, Queen Sugar, so many of these shows that are really starting to allow black men to have much more of a breadth of who we can be. However, like I kind of mentioned in my previous video where I talk about Kevin Samuels' line to black men, this is also a space where there are becoming more and more instances for us to really like engage in different characters, but also actual people in the pop culture space who are experiencing like, yo, what does it mean to be a man now? What does it look like for black men to really exist and do our own thing? These are all of the spaces right now that I'm so excited to see masculinity being looked at, vulnerability, um, community, all of these things be existing in one space. So I'll talk around, you already know, I talk around the big ideas, I hone in on a little bit, get a little personal with it, and then leave you off with a question as well. And right now, as I'm looking at the idea of black masculinity, as we're looking at patriarchy and how we function in that space, that's really where my interest has been lying, um, especially as an educator in the Philadelphia area. I am so fascinated by the development of our black boys. And so right now I'm starting to see like there is this shifting tide of like what black men were and what black men were is depicted through minstrelsy, right? Minstrel shows, blackface, what white people told us our narrative was. And it's still something we're combating to this day. So are we these savages? Are we these coons? Are we this very infantilized black men? Are we these people who need to be reduced to a child in order to have a sense of control over from other people? And all of these ideas have continued to stack and evolve as systems of oppression have also evolved and what's stacked against us. And right now, it feels like we're just in this space of a shift right now is going on in terms of like how we show up in blackness, how we show up in the culture, um, but more specifically, how we show up in our relationships with one another. And that part is so important is to understand like what does our relationship and masculinity, how does that all interconnect, right? This all interconnects because masculinity can still be a very violent thing. It can also be a very beautiful thing too. I don't want people to think that masculinity is like this end-all be-all because there's a space of balance with the masculine, the feminine, and the in-between, right? But right now what I am noticing is this shift from a conversational lens and Black men are so resistant to it in some spaces. We're resistant to it because this requires us to have to unlearn so much of the bullshit that we've learned before. We have to unlearn so much of what our fathers, our father's fathers, our father figures, our mentors, our black male teachers, anybody who has showed us something before, we have to look at this a little differently. 
we have to challenge this a little differently. And that challenging is actually bothersome because like I said, we don't have those tools to be able to do that kind of work and do that work with enough fidelity that it can become routine for us. And so in us doing that, we have to also think about now our relationship to ourselves and our relationships to each other. And right now, I think that black men are lonely. I think we are such a lonely bunch (laughs) because most of our friendships exist and they exist from a space of we're going to keep this as superficial as possible because as long as I keep this thing as superficial as possible, I actually don't need to engage with you in a much more honest way. I actually don't need to um, challenge you when you make me uncomfortable, when you make me upset. We actually don't know how to express those things. So we can joke it off. We can go back to playing games with our boys. We can do all of this stuff, right? (laughs) But it actually doesn't build us into creating healthy relationships with other men. It doesn't allow us to want to be vulnerable with somebody who just simply gets it. We don't want to be vulnerable with that because I still have to put on a performance for you. So my boys can't see me as less than in the public space. My boys can't actually see that they may be more of a man than me. Because at the end of the day, the conditions that are set up for me, I got to hold on to this masculinity. My masculinity is actually integral to my survival. That's what I've been told. And so it's interesting because as we think about our masculinity being so integral to our survival, it's also adding to our demise, but it's also adding to those that we're in relationship with into our demise. If we're thinking from a heteronormative lens, we're so quick to lean into, well, this black girl can help me out. This black woman can help me out. I can pour all of my emotions into them. Yet there is this weird thing that goes on, like as we want the help, as we want those vulnerable spaces and we need to navigate all of that, we're also navigating this big societal pressure to still be a man, man up, do what you must. And so it's just like this very angry and violent space of at one moment, we want to be loved on and we want to be accepted because the rest of this world does not do that for us. It really doesn't. And in this other space, there's this idea that we have to be the protector but we don't have this idea of those who want to protect us because we also don't see accountability as protection. We don't see accountability as love. We don't see accountability as another opportunity for us to be better to one another. And when we don't get those spaces, and I'm just speaking from like a very human, a very kind of intercommunal kind of space, it's, it's nerve wracking because still I cannot feel safe enough to the man next to me in order to be vulnerable. He might physically be able to protect me and we protect each other because that's our code with each other. But for me to have to sit there and cry, for me to express that that loneliness is there, that that hurt is there, that's actually very nerve wracking for us and we can't do that. We don't like it. (laughs) Yo, get that away from me, right? And because of that, We still have to reckon with societal pressures. We also have to reckon with how we show up in pop culture and media. And then we also have to reckon with our own selves and our own actual communities of people that we're physically in proximity to, right? That stuff is all wrapped up in, I think, this complicated nature of the black man, even as we talk about what does it look like to engage in restorative justice and transformational just transformative justice 
how do we engage in these things when we can barely meet the bare minimum? And I'm not saying that we're incapable of doing it. I'm saying that right now we are so attached to this idea of masculinity that we can't even see what could be. And that's the part that's a little bit scary to me because now as we see this push for hyper-masculinity, this is what the manosphere is doing. Now let me lean into what could be. What could be is scary. What could be is unfamiliar. What could be would be turning our entire world upside down. And we don't like that. <laughs> we don't like that because familiarity is good as long as this thing that's supposed to work for me and I can eventually get in theory is there. That is good. But we're starting to see that in the public eye, in places that seem traditionally masculine, um, that stuff is changing. It honestly is. It's a social contract that is changing. It's the reality that the world that our parents grew up in and the conditions that they grew up in are not the ones that we're necessarily growing up in anymore. So our way to navigate masculinity is completely different. I'm not saying niggas in the hood still aren't dealing with this stuff. I'm not saying niggas in academia aren't still dealing with this stuff. But I do think that there is a class aspect to how we get to navigate masculinity and the other spaces that we do. Because I think as you elevate and get more money, you get to navigate your masculinity just a little bit differently because at least on the outside, I made it. I got my money. You cannot tell me anything different. But I think when we're in the low income space and we're more poor, I think that in that socioeconomic space, masculinity is the only thing we get to hold on to. Because at least masculinity cannot necessarily fully be dictated by the outside because I can still present myself as something other. I can still present myself as something that's still macho. I can still present myself as this man, even though I may not feel that way because I'm scared. Because that inner child is still scared. And so I look at all of these ideas and I started off with this episode really just explaining that we are still a lonely, lonely group of people we see this in the amount of people that start to unalive themselves. We see this in the amount of people that would rather just lash out. We see this amount of people who protect masculinity so much that I will fight you if you even have an inkling that I could be less than straight, right? We hold on to all of these things and these symbolic ideas of what a man should be, right? And so I think as we get a little Nas X, when we get... Uh, Lil Murda and Big Teak on P-Valley, when we get a Ralph Angel from Queen Sugar, when we get a Gerard Carmichael in the comedy space, an Isaiah Rashad in the hip-hop space, Lil Nas X really also in that hip-hop space and being one of the biggest purveyors of that. When we get a Jay-Z giving us a 444, it's giving an evolution, but it's also giving a shift in conversation and i think it's a shift in masculinity and how black men present in that space but not only that they're pushing for emotional intelligence and they're also challenging and potentially giving permission with their depictions in this space so i'll go by a couple different people that i've named as i go through the rest of this video but Gerard Carmichael is somebody who's always been fascinating to me. He's always occupied this space in comedy. He's occupied this space in commentary that 
was what the black people are always thinking, but never choose to say out loud. And I've always enjoyed his work. I never fully always agreed with what he said either. Because some of his commentary, I was just like, um, I don't know what you're trying to do with this. But let's see where it goes. <laughs> but as he released Rothaniel, it was this fear as we watched him publicly process in that stand-up. And I used stand-up like a little lightly because they were just like, let me process this in front of you and lay some jokes in between so it still feels, you're like, feels like you're at a comedy show. <laughs> um, but I think there's something to say specifically around the comments that he was making between the secrets that we keep and this fear of rejection. And the part that got me the most is when he specifically talks around how his dad reacted one way, but his mom had no reaction at all. And I think for a lot of black men, we don't get to fully express that, like, oh, we might be queer, or hey, we might actually not want to do these sports. We might not actually want to indulge in these video games. We might not want to do what you expected us to do because we want to deviate from the norm. But deviating from the norm and this very limited scope of how we were represented in pop culture actually doesn't allow our parents, our parents' parents, our peers sometimes, uncles, extended family members, father figures, to really truly understand that we can all do these things differently. I was so nervous when I stopped playing basketball and was like, oh, I'm gonna do theater and I'm gonna play my cello because that's really what I love. And I'm gonna be a dancer on top of that. That's what I love. The sports, I did that because I wanted my mom to feel comfortable. I wanted my mom, I wanted to have something that me and my mom could relate to together, right? And so even as that idea persisted, I was like, oh, I am just performing. I'm not actually being who I should be. And mind you, this is middle school, <laughs> right? I got to high school and said, I want to do that. And that's what I want to focus on because that's what makes me happy. And I think we, a lot of us fear that though. A lot of us don't have the confidence to choose to actually know this thing doesn't make me happy because this is only an expectation that I'm simply living up to. This is not what I want. This is not who I am. So I think that's one. Then we have somebody like a Lil Nas X and he is the spectacle of queerness. And for the BET Awards to just be like, yo, actually, we're not gonna nominate you for anything, but we'll put the white boy who's on a track with you in a space to perform and to nominate him. After Grammy-nominated artists like Lil Nas X? Come on, bro. Right? There's something to say around how BET was even trying to erase what Lil Nas X has put to the culture. But also, it seems like there's this reprimanding that's also happening as well. Because, oh, you kissed that nigga on stage? You decided to dance with the devil? We're not doing this because that's too far of a spectacle. That's too far because now it feels like an agenda, right? That's what that is. But to also say this man, this black, visibly black gay man at the top of hip hop and pop culture, that's really something to say about BET, how they feel about black queer men, but also the display of queerness in the public eye. You can entertain us all you want. We can use your lingo all you want. We can be everything you need to be. You're executives. You're behind the scenes. But when you put your truth onto stage, I'm going to penalize you for that. I'm going to be very punitive about that. 
because we don't bang with it that much. We bang with it just enough. And that's within our own community, right? But it's also just this idea that viewers could also be like, oh, I might like this. Or maybe I might not. And that's okay, right? And so we have to continuously have these thoughts in our head as we are going through and looking at these depictions because Gerard Carmichael, there was a human aspect to it. Lil Nas X, though human, it was engrossed in spectacle. And then we also have someone like an Isaiah Rashad who lives in this very comfortable space in masculine presenting, and he's in this sexual, sexual his, he's fluid in terms of his sexuality. He's a father, but then he's also a very light hip hop artist. So it also makes me wonder, like, is there a safety in the masculinity that he presents that most people, where all of us were just like, oh man, he was exposed. What does this mean? Who outed him? Because we already know that he dealt with mental health issues, all of that. But there was like this very gentle, not, not coddling is not the right word, but like this rap, this hug that a lot of us put him into because we were just like, yo, hold on. Let him live his life how he chooses. That's behind closed doors. So it is something to say when you have little Nas X who lives in the space of like, I'm going to make an active choice to put this queer identity on full display. Somebody who is in a private of their own home having that privacy violated, but still masculine presenting and still having kids. And then a, someone like a Gerard Carmichael who chooses to come out but talks around it in a way that feels like very familiar, that feels very familial. And this was something that we could all relate to because we all have that anxiety around like, oh, rejection is scary. Oh, the nature of our relationships will change if we are not this man that our family told us to be. So now it's really thinking about like, how does our relationships change with people when we are deviate away from this masculinity? And are we being honest in this conversation around like how we are feeling as black men? And to me, this, I take these three because these are three different kind of instances, but all still black men. And then we get a show like P-Valley. And let me tell you, the way that Big Teak and Lil Murder's relationship went, I was like, yo, to me, I would put Big Teak in the every nigga kind of category when we think about these archetypes, when we think about these characters that we have seen on stage, I think he might have been one of the most accurate depictions of black men that we have today. And it's not even just like the queer black man. I don't want to erase that part of his character. But when I'm thinking about his actual character, his core, who he is as an individual, he was lonely. He was hurt. He was traumatized. He was put away. He was told he did not matter. He had to rap, battle with his demons. All of that, that led up to who his ultimate ending in that story and who he became. Us as black men, we live in that box. We live in that closet. We live in this because we cannot deviate outside of this box that we call masculinity. Because if we deviate outside of that, we're ostracized. We are scared to lean into that happiness. And that other fear is like when we lean into who we truly are and who 
and going against who people expect us to be, we then have to reckon with the fact that, yo, my relationships with these people are going to change. My relationship to myself is going to change. How I navigate in this world is going to change. It'll be freer, but it changes. And there's something to say the way that we grasp for straws with this masculinity and this idea of masculinity, because at the end of the day, oh, I still have social currency if I still am a man. I still have societal power if I still present as a strong, hyper-masculine black man. And I'm not saying, again, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think there is something to say when ultimately somebody like a big teak does not get to live his life all the way out in the way that he intended because he lived a life of fear, he lived in a life of pain, and then when he finally got to experience his truths, it was a little bit too late. And that part is, I think, the scary part for black men because I think we want to hold on to this power and this existent and existence as long as possible because at least that means that I have a form of status. I have worth. I, I am useful to somebody else because I'm still considered a man. I still have that masculine energy that people are looking for. So when I take all of these ideas and think about the structural inequities that we have to deal with, but also having to be honest around the violence that black men cause to non-men in our community, that's the part that we also have to reckon with is because this grasping of who we are versus the challenge that we're starting to see in pop culture when we know that we don't have to be as lonely as possible, when we should be able to look to our boys and say, yo, you hurt me, this is sad, I am sad, I am not okay. Once we start giving each other permission to do that, we then begin to feel safer, we then begin to explore our masculinity in every single facet of who it can be, explore ourselves as individuals in every facet that it could be, and that's why I hope that we get to the space and time where we really get to start leaning into the possibility of what a man can look like. And it can come in so many different forms. I'm one type of man. My boys are different types of men. The kids I'm growing, I'm teaching are different kind of men. And that's okay. We need to start saying that. But also recognizing that there is nothing to be ashamed about if you are hurt, if you are sad, if you are feeling these things. Gerard Carmichael still shows he's a man who lives in fear and hesitation of what his mom's true reaction will be. Lil Nas X has to live out loud and that causes a potential fear and attack on his life because he is choosing to live free rather than be scared, which is something a lot of us are jealous of. Then you have somebody like Isaiah Rashad who gets this now control his narrative, but we also don't have to worry about this idea of like, oh, could I be found out? It doesn't have to happen like that, but there was a liberation in that freedom. And so I do look forward to seeing like where this idea of masculinity starts to evolve into. There's still gonna be that pushback no matter what, because a manosphere is still alive and well today. The niggas in, on everyday life are also still alive and well today and still carry these ideas and these tropes around like what a man is and what a man is not. But this next generation, us as a people, really need to start leaning into, yo, what does this really look like for us? And then 
what does being a man look like to us as individuals? As those individuals' ideas start to build, I think our community will ultimately benefit. But this means black men, we have work to do and we need to find our people that give us permission to be safe and to be able to express all of these feelings that we get to feel all at once. So what does this all start to look like? That's my question that I wanna leave you off with. Let me know if there's any other depictions of characters, if there's any other pop culture moments that I may have missed and just push me on my thinking as well. I didn't get into the social, political, and economic pushes of all of this too, but I wanted this to also be just another heart-centered video, this heart-centered conversation, because I think it's what we need right now and what we may be responding to ultimately. So once again, my name is Marquise Davon, Keys, This American Negro, Never Mark. If you want to support me, you can go to patreon.com slash Marquise Davon, that's M-A-R-Q-U. I-S-E-D-A-V-O-N, and that's on patreon.com. You can join me and help me make some money for as little as $2 a month, which is $24 a year. Or you can at least like and subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend about this video. Um, make sure you're also leaving comments. Please engage with me on social media. I'm Marquise Davron across all social media sites. Let me know your thoughts. I appreciate you. Peace.